Hey everyone, just a quick reminder before we start the show that All Songs Considered, like all of NPR's programs, doesn't happen without your support. And the best way to show your support is by making a donation to the public radio station of your choice. When you support the station, that supports the whole NPR family, including All Songs Considered. Just go to donate.npr.org music. There you can pick the station of your choice and help us get more music by more artists to more people. Again, that's donate.npr.org music. Thanks so much for listening and for all of your support over the years. From NPR Music and All Songs Considered, I'm Cindy Madden. And today, we're low-key celebrating the end of an era. Okay? After five years of love, loss, and black girl magic, HBO's hit comedy drama Insecure is coming to an end. Insecure is the creation of actor, writer, and producer Issa Rae, and has become a cultural touchstone, especially for black fans who feel seen as awkward, amazing, and multifaceted on TV. See, I might say, baby, here's like money long, long, bitch, I've been getting paid. Huh. Keep a big bad, never fooled. I mean, yeah, bitch, I'm good in any hood, but it's love in the bag. Yeah, my race don't forget, we ain't shining the same. I pull up in the range, and the squad never change. I see, that's a gang, gang, gang. About to get it on the floor, bust it down, make it shake. Yeah. You're hearing Get It Girl from Bay Area rapper Saweetie off Insecure's final season soundtrack. Now, this show will no doubt go down in pop culture history for many reasons. But on today's episode of All Songs Considered, we're paying special attention and tribute to the music featured on the show and all the ways the show has influenced music. And today on the show, to help me break it all the way down, we've got a dream team of insecure experts. From NPR Music's Tiny Desk, producer Bobby Carter. Bobby, what's up? What's happening, Sydney Madden? And joining us from NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, co-host Aisha Harris. Hey, Aisha. Hey, Sid. I'm so glad to be here. And finally, here to share his wisdom and give us the inside track. See what I did there? <laughs> we got Insecure's music supervisor, Kier Lehman. Kier, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me through. All right, so first off, we just want to lay the foundation of how monumental Insecure is. So Aisha, as our resident TV expert here, you've been covering the show for a number of years. Can you give us a quick synopsis of what the series is and kind of where it sits in history when it comes to Black television? Sure. So this show definitely goes back even further than the first episode of Insecure. If you know anything about Issa Rae, she was the creator of a very popular web series called Awkward Black Girl, which served as sort of the foundation for Insecure. And it was just about this young woman, this young Black woman who hated her job, hated her office life, um, hated her love life, and was just trying to work through it in the most awkward ways possible. It's just very much a growing pain sort of TV or sort of web series. And so that show sort of lay the foundation for Insecure. And Insecure is what I think of of awkward black girl, but fully realized. Um, it's also about this very interesting and fascinating relationship and dynamic between Issa and Molly, who's played by Yvonne Orji. And to me, what makes it so special is the fact that these are adults who don't have their stuff together. It is They are so messy. And that's, I think, what makes it so different is that we're seeing 
all of these young people just trying to figure things out. And I think that that's what we're seeing the legacy is becoming now is, Mm -hmm. you know, we are going to get a lot more 20-something, 30-something Black women-focused shows and and about the complexities and just the awkwardness and all of the messiness of that. Yeah, I completely agree. I love what you said about really peeling back the layers to show the complexities and how nobody is perfect. Nobody is a caricature of who media has previously presented, Black women especially, to be. And that definitely extends to how the music interplays and intertwines with everything. So what are some, I want everyone to answer this, what are some moments in the show's history where you feel like the music and the song choice made the scene what it was? Where it not only helps propel the story and the plotline forward, but platformed it in a way that will remain in your mind forever. I'll start with you, Bobby. Uh, the first one that comes to mind for me is when uh, when Dro and Molly were ha- had sort of come to a head and Molly had asked for a key back. And in the background, uh, Cold War by, Cash- by Cautious Clay was playing. Yellow tinted lenses in a pink gelato. Falling out the window, hit me back tomorrow. Will always be the one tough fact to follow. Cause we aiming for the stars with a point in hollow. Feeling these songs, making jokes and cows. Started this job selling rocks and arrows. And I think that really just nailed it home. I mean, when you listen to the lyrics of the song, it just kind of made sense. Another quick one was not necessarily, it was more of a funny moment, but when when you when you guys play uh, LaKaylee 47 Attitude, I think it was probably season two. When she was getting dressed up. Dandridge. Attitude. Grace Jones. Attitude. Pay rent. Attitude. For own home. Attitude. Buffy Khan. Attitude. Champagne. Those are two. Those are two of my favorites that really kind of enhanced the whole scene. I love that you're bringing back all the memories now. So, Kier, as our you know resident expert in here with the inside track, can you give us a quick rundown of the process of picking the music and creating an episode where the characters and the music feel so integral? It's a process. It's collaborative. There's a few people kind of involved in the process and we will work together with, of course, Issa leading the way and, and driving things with her her vision. You know, we started at the beginning of the series. It was me, Raphael, Sadiq, Solange, Issa, Melina, just talking through, you know, the sound of L.A. and who are the artists coming up that needed to reflect that sound. And so I work with Issa on each episode and we start with general playlists that I'll send to her. But of course, Issa is the decision maker and the one who's got that ultimate vision of this is where she wants to go with the story. And sometimes she'll come and say, you know what, I picked this song, but actually now that I watch it in the episode, it's pushing the story too far forward. I remember an instance where we had a song, we pitched something, she picked it. And then she came back a few days later and was like, look, you know what, this is feel, this is pushing us too far in a different direction or in a direction that we're going to go eventually, but I'm not ready to go there in this episode right now. So let's find something else. But it, you know, those are kind of the, the situations that come up in the way that we work together, where she has that 
very specific idea and concept of what the story is going to be and how these songs are going to play within the story and how we're going to tell the story with these songs. And sometimes it's just a vibe from the song and sometimes it's going to be specific lyrical lines that Mm -hmm. speak for the character in that moment. Right. So let's get into more music. Aisha, what's one or two of your favorite musical moments from the show? I mean, the first one is the season two finale with the Frank Ocean biking solo. I don't get weak in the knees. Honey spread it like a fan. Perfect like some Gucci sand. Open the sky, get a hand. Torso marked up like a van. Are you not fucking with cash? God give you what you can handle. Give you what you can handle. I got the group like a handle. And I'm biking. I'm biking with me and my Daniel. AD's got the angels. TV's got the angels. I'm breaking. This is the the end of the season, so we're getting a little bit of a montage. And at this point, Issa's job is in jeopardy. She has to move out of her apartment. You're seeing all these characters make sort of the same mistakes that they were trying not to make. And then you have Mm. Frank Ocean and this song that's about sort of being in this cyclical motion, talking about biking and about being in his 20s and being all screwed up. And so I think that moment just the soaring and then like the way it ends with like gotta 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 bite Like, I just love that as it swoops up and you see, like, the vista of L.A. um, Mm. in that final shot. So that's one. And then my other one is sort of personal a little bit. But I love Austin season two when SZA's supermodel plays. I brought a newsletter to let you know I'm really leaving and no, I'm not keeping your shit. Heard you got some new homies, got some new hobbies, even a new home. And it's kind of another sort of, not a montage so much, but you see Issa sort of trying to rearrange her closet now that Lawrence is like, really, really out uh, mm-hmm. from the apartment. And then she like sends a text trying to hook up with someone. And for me, I- Oh, is that the one where she sent it and it didn't go through and then she sent it again? No, no it's, I, it went through. It went it through. No, because she it, clicked it. And then I was like, oh, she almost didn't send it. She, <laughs> yeah. iPhone almost saved her, but no, she her No, she, she sent it. And what I love about that is that for me, it was like my reintroduction to SZA. Like I had known, who SZA was, but I hadn't really connected with her music yet and I wasn't quite on the control tip yet. So when I saw that scene and I heard the music, I was like, oh man, like I need to go and listen to this. And then of course, Control became like one of my favorite albums because I saw it in that scene and I heard it in that scene. So all the SZA references throughout the the series have been chef's kiss. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I think think, uh, Issa and Kira, like you've said in previous interviews that Control could have been the soundtrack to an entire season, like, you know, front front to back because it was just so on time. Yeah. I think about even though I... I assert that Molly and Issa are probably the strongest relationship on the show. And, you know, that's why season four cut so deep with their conflict and their uh, disagreements. I always remember the music that binds Issa and Lawrence together. 
Like in the beginning, early seasons, it was a lot of Sampha. Like when Lawrence confronted her about cheating with Daniel, it was Timmy's prayer. And then in, in season four, when they finally found their way back to each other and kind of reconciled, it was Baby Rose, who is a Tiny Desk alum. So we're going to talk about Tiny Desk alums in a minute. Amazing. And then even in season five, in this in this series closing season when they're still having ups and downs the first episode they basically break up with no words so the song has to carry the the nonverbal communication there and that was Nena's fun and that was in the first episode of this fifth season The Odyssey of Lawrence and Issa, it's like <laughs> the heartbreak never ends. And I feel like this the music just exasperates the heartbreak. <laughs> All right, so as a part of our celebration of Insecure and all of its music over the years, we've got a special Insecure Tiny Desk takeover that just went up today, Friday, December 17th. It features performances from three new artists, all of whom are on Insecure's final season soundtrack. That's Nena, BK Habermel, and Timar. Bobby, as the Tiny Desk producer who really helps to craft the sound of how artists get to convey themselves and and put in that work and present themselves on Tiny Desk. You think about curation a lot. What similarities do you see between Tiny Desk and Insecure when it comes to curation? Yeah, I think the first one you just said, obviously, if you look at the soundtracks uh, over the past few seasons and you look at, you know, what we've done at the Tiny Desk, I mean, we've we swap out. I mean, a lot of a lot of these artists have played the Tiny Desk, like the Lakeleys, uh, Rico Nasty, Janae, like a lot of these a lot of these people have played the Tiny Desk. But also curating is making sure that you know representation is is across the board. I think the common denominator is is black women. Personally, I feel like uh, black women are still sort of underrepresented in the music industry at large. So at, when we're when we're curating at the Tiny Desk, we want to make sure you know. These gaps are filled. These voids are filled. And I think, you know, obviously looking at what Insecure does, obviously that's what carries them. The black women and the black, the, the independent black women artists on the, on the show. That's the parallel there. And then Discovery, obviously. A thing that I, that I really, that really kind of keeps me going and what fulfills me is putting people on the new music, putting people on the new artists. That's like the thing, even when we're at the Tiny Desk, we always want to be the person to say, okay, well, I first heard this person at the Tiny Desk. And I'm sure, Kira, you and each say, well, I heard this song uh, on Insecure, and that's how I found out about that artist. And that's kind of a responsibility to me. So the the discovery, women, and also the music is is, at this point is just as, as important as the plot line or any character on the show. There's a ton of plot lines. I'm always, you know, as soon as the show starts, I have my my phone in my right hand ready to Shazam to figure out, to make sure I'm up on what I need to do. I'm so glad you said that, Bobby, because I have to say that Insecure is definitely, I don't think I've ever Shazam sound hounded more during right. a show while watching it than I, than I do <laughs> while watching Insecure because I'm always just like, oh, 
I want to yeah. hear more of this. Yeah, yeah you know that you know the show is going to open with something you probably never heard of, an artist or a song you probably never heard of, and it usually closes with the same thing. So you got to have tips out there for everybody. Have the Shazam on deck as soon as the show starts because you might miss something. All right, more on the music and legacy of Insecure after this short break. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp, the online counseling service dedicated to connecting you with a licensed counselor to help you overcome whatever stands in the way of your happiness. Fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a professional tailored to your needs. And if you aren't satisfied with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time free of charge. Visit BetterHelp.com songs to get 10% off your first month. Get the help you deserve with BetterHelp. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One. Ready for a new ride, but not sure where to start? Try the tool designed to make car shopping and financing easier. With Capital One Auto Navigator, you can find a car and get pre-qualified instantly. Then see your real rate and monthly payment without impacting your credit score. It's so simple, you might feel like you're taking the easy way out. That's because you are. Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at CapitalOne.com slash Autonavigator. Kier, what about you? What you, what do you feel as the insider? (laughs) What do you feel is a scene that's always going to live in your mind? Yeah, go your son. You got to flex a little bit, Kier. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, you actually took a couple of mine because I think that Timmy's prayer use at the end of that episode is a huge one. And also... Lawrence and Issa makeup sex show you is a big, big moment too from ba- with Baby Rose. So, but aside from those, another one from early on for me was the end of episode two, where we played Thundercats, Heartbreaks and Setbacks, which was like Lawrence and Issa kind of laying in the bed, you know, introducing their conflict in their relationship. Thundercat being an artist that really was influential in the sound of the show with his own music and then also kind of just his his sound as something that was an inspiration for a lot of the other kind of music that we use on the show. And then I think third episode of the second season, Rico Nasty Poppin' mm. um, was just such a like moment for mm-hmm. Issa feeling herself. And having that really confident moment at the end of the episode where she had tried to hook up with her neighbor, I think was was what was going on in that storyline. This is sister sugar trap, turn your shit to pudding. I'm always in the stoop, bitch. Look at what I'm cooking. I'm always in some new shit. So these hoes looking. And if you run up, I bet you get in your shit cooking. I'm a poppin' ass, bitch. Let me remind ya. Don't hide. And that was a moment, too, where Rico Nasty was just kind of coming up. And that, I think, really blew her up and put her on the map in a big way. And Kier, now that the show is ending, you've worked on so many projects. This is not not even close to your first rodeo, right? Like, you've been music supervisor on a lot of things. 
But what feels different to you about supervising on Insecure versus anything else you've ever worked on? This is for sure a very special project, and I'm just so fortunate and grateful to be a part of something that's like this. It's been like a dream come true, really, because to work on a project where like the music is so front, so forward, like there's a lot of shows that have a lot of music, but not that's like so forward. Every episode, there's a bunch of moments and they're featured like the music is loud. The music is the only element or the main element that is happening on the show in those times, in those moments on the show. So it's just really cool and and a dream come true to be able to work on something like that. Yeah. And it's funny because as Insecure gained popularity, I imagine the budgets for everything have gone up and y'all could have been placing like big, big, big artists all over the show. But there has been a continued emphasis and effort to always platform the young, the next generation. But the details, the millennial references, and just the honesty you hear in these songs that will always be an insecure no matter when you go back to it, however many years on HBO Max at this point, you always are going to feel that the artists are grappling with the same world that the characters are. And that's why it always feels like an extension and and it goes beyond something mechanical. It's it's something of love. And that's how legacy really, like that's the basis of the legacy. And then it has community around it too, because a lot of the offshoots of, of Insecure have been based in music and love of music as well. Things like Insecure Writing Camp, like Issa Rae's radio label, all of that stuff. So as all fans of this, like super fans, what do you feel Insecure's musical legacy is gonna feel like years from now? I'm excited to see that. You know, I think that it was a, a time and that, you know, there was kind of this shift in music or or like a new kind of wave of R&B and, you know, the like you were talking about earlier, Aisha, about the millennial point of view that the show has. And that also was kind of being reflected in the music that was coming out with artists like SZA or Tyler, the Creator and Odd Future and Frank Ocean that was a movement that was happening at that time. And it was really at the same time that the show was coming and we were able to feature a lot of those artists and be another platform for that movement of music. And so I think that we've curated a lot of those sounds and artists into what the soundtrack of our show is because like you were saying about how the characters, it feels like the world that the characters would be living in. And this is what young people like them would be listening to. And it's not necessarily what's on the radio or on MTV or whatever at the time, you know, this is a group of kids of age of people that are discovering music in a different way. And I I hope that and imagine that the Insecure soundtrack will define this time in music culture for R&B and modern hip hop and alternative R&B music culture and that we'll look back and say, oh yeah, that remember 2017, 18, 19, 20. (laughs) And that was the sound that we all lived with. Bobby, Aisha, do you have anything to add? I mean, I I think it it does feel like a SoundCloud era mixtape in a way. And, And it really does mimic the way so many people find music now. I feel like 
insecure sort of setting this table for these are these underground artists, these underground black artists who are doing something you might not be familiar with, you might not otherwise hear on the radio or and again, MTV doesn't even, no one's going to MTV to find their music these days. It's like, it, we're, we're at least two generations removed from that even being a thing. So I think that the legacy of Insecure in many ways when it comes to the music is like this time capsule, like Kira is saying, this time capsule of the last like five-ish, six-ish years. And the fact that it's on Spotify, you can you can find it in that way. It just feels like the time and the place and it's hard to tell. There's no way to tell, but I don't think it'll feel dated. I think uh, as a music nerd, I'm the person in the room who's fighting tooth and nail with people who don't necessarily dig for music. And if it's not in their face, it doesn't exist. If it's not like on TV or on the radio, it doesn't exist. So these are the people who say things like R&B is dead. For me, it's <laughs> like, I think the legacy for Insecure is, is just a reference point. They've helped to kind of push this music forward and push it out there. Like you said, Sydney, I think, I'm, I'm sure, Kira, you and Nisa have your pick of the biggest artists on the planet. You know, I know they're, they're costly, but if you if you really want a song from this huge artist, you could have easily, you know, that could have been the soundtrack, but you guys made a choice to actually dig and find people who could actually use the platform, who can really benefit from the platform. So I think that it's a reminder that R&B, black music isn't dead and, and and creatives and the chart toppers, those aren't the only people who are putting out really, really significant art. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me on All Songs Considered to pay tribute to this, not only the soundtrack of our lives, but the series that has defined the last five years of black pop culture and staked a claim and representation that is going to be hard to top. So thank you once again to Aisha Harris of Pop Culture Happy Hour. Thank you. Bobby Carter from NPR Music, NPR Music's Tiny Desk. This was dope, Kira. Thank you and Issa for, 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 for doing what you all did. I can, I can nerd out and do this for a couple more hours. <laughs> Seriously, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and of course, Kira Lehman, music supervisor extraordinaire of Insecure. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was fun, and I definitely could, could have talked for a lot longer about this stuff. So, anytime. And as we say goodbye to all the groundbreaking goodness of Insecure, a reminder that our Insecure Tiny Desk Takeover is up now on YouTube and npr.org slash music. For NPR Music and All Songs Considered, I'm Sydney Madden. I can never Yeah, yeah, I made my bed, that's why I can't.